Well, we're continuing our series looking at Acts 11, at um, uh, what a series that we've been part of. And if you're um, new here, you, you will have, have missed some, you can catch them up online. But we're looking at the book of Acts and taking our kind of uh, journey through that, uh, looking at what it means to be a people on mission to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus called his disciples to as he ascended to heaven. He, he overcame death and, and then he, uh, in his resurrected body, he um, commissioned his disciples, keep on going, uh, to the ends of the earth uh, to, to share the good news of what he has won for us, the victory over sin and death. And, and that's what we're part of. That's what we get to um, uh, that's what we get to talk about and sing about, but it's also what we get to share to those around us, to the ends of the earth. And uh, we've been taking our time going through this series. Last week, Luke looked at Acts 10, which I think Anna's already referenced, but we, we looked at the fact that the gospel is bigger than first anticipated. So it looked like there was, um, you know, Jesus had come for a, a group of, uh, of uh, or a nation, but in fact, he'd, he'd come for something much bigger than that. He'd come for the ends of the earth, that the gospel was a bigger deal than first uh, anticipated. And we see the theological debate in Acts 10 and a little bit in Acts 11, um, where they're trying to work out, well, how does this look? What does this mean for us? And uh, we are recipients of that uh, here today. What a wonderful moment. The gospel is bigger than first thought. And uh, we're in Acts 11. If you want to start turning to that, we're going to look at the second part of that, looking at the practical outworkings of the gospel being a bigger deal. And um, the practical outworkings of that are the first church that's planted, and we're going to look at the first church in Antioch. So I'll read for us from chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus uh, to look for Saul, who is Paul, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a, a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine would spread across the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help to the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this by sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And we've been encouraged in that by Tola as well. Wonderful. So we're going to look at what this Antioch church looked like. And I, I want to separate it really into two halves. So the first bit, I want to look at this person of Barnabas. He's quite an interesting character, has an excellent name. Uh, the second part, I want to look at what was the church that Barnabas saw. What did he see when he first arrived at Antioch and what can we learn from that? How can we position ourselves in the same way uh, as that church? So the first thing to look at then is Barnabas. Real name Joseph. Barnabas is a nickname. 
Uh, we read about him earlier on in Acts, which we don't have a massive amount of time to get into, about how he got this nickname a little bit, but uh, it's not completely clear. But the, the other disciples called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I mean, what a nickname. Don't you think? Of all the nicknames available to you, this is probably one that you wouldn't mind telling some people, would you? Who here has a nickname? Less people than the first service. Uh, I, I wonder, uh, I'm not going to ask you to divulge it, but, but your nicknames, are they as good as Son of Encouragement? No. I think not. I think not. But Son of Encouragement, that was the reputation that Barnabas had. That's the reputation that he's earned for himself. It's about what his life looked like. It's about the things that made him tick. Uh, I was um, looking around for a good example. Of, uh, I saw this person here. Any ideas who this person is? Nobody? Uncultured lot, honestly. I've got, I'm so surprised by it. I thought this would be... So this is Mr. Portsmouth Football Club. Can you tell why? It's a black and white photo, so it makes it slightly more difficult. Mr. Portsmouth Football Club. His name is John Westwood. He's changed his middle name by B. Polt to Portsmouth Football Club. Now, what do you think that John is particularly passionate about? Shoes. <laughs> Very good, excellent. You get the idea. Names uh, matter, names are, are kind of around what we're, what we're about. And Barnabas was about encouragement, and we're going to look at how Barnabas encouraged. But it did make me think, what is it that we give out? What is it that we could be named for? I was thinking in the first service, uh, Gary the gifted, Stephen the servant-hearted sat behind the keyboard. You know, names, names and, and, and nicknames come from that reputation and, and we're so encouraged to have some excellent people around us. So uh, Barnabas, the encourager, how did he encourage? I think he's quite an interesting person to send into this setting. They've not sent somebody to come and bring structure. They've not sent somebody to come and quickly kind of uh, correct all the wrongs that are going on in Antioch. And let's be clear, this is probably going to be a raw church, isn't it? There's probably going to be lots of stuff happening uh, that needs to be brought direction. They send Barnabas the encourager. Barnabas, son of encouragement. I think we learn something even from their response to that. Secondly as well, I forgot to mention, but I love the, the pattern of this. I love the fact that there's stuff happening in Antioch. There's the scattered believers, much like we are when we leave here today. We're scattered to different corners of Peterborough and the surrounding areas that, that are doing mission. And uh, the pattern of this is that they're seeing the grace of God at work. They're seeing stuff happen. They're seeing life emerge. And uh, the apostles hear about it second. It's not the apostles that are trying to initiate something and make something happen. No, it's, it's the fact that the scattered believers are living on mission for Jesus and the apostles hear about it second. I just think that's a beautiful picture of, uh, of church life, that it comes back, doesn't it? And they hear and then they want to send Barnabas to encourage. So what is the type of encouragement that Barnabas brings. Well, Luke describes Barnabas a little bit more. He says that he's a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he encouraged out of that sense of empowerment from the Spirit, out of that sense of new life that he was living in. He saw what other people didn't. He's not responding out of a sense of limitation of his own experience or, or doubt. He's a man who's full of faith, full of a, a vision of God. And uh, his response is shaped by that. His response to the situation in Antioch is shaped by his vision of Jesus, this big mission that Jesus has called us to, the ends of the earth. He's a man full of faith. 
not limiting things to his own size. We see what God was doing and he was glad. What a wonderful man to be around that he he rocks up at Antioch, he sees the life emerging. Yeah, he probably sees all the stuff that is a little bit irritating and probably needs to bring some correction as he goes and gets Paul eventually. But, But he says he's glad when he sees the grace of God at work. What a beautiful picture of church life, don't you think? Where we're able to say, look, God is at work. And we can be glad, we can take joy in that. That's what Barnabas did, that's how he encouraged. I would suggest that we see from Barnabas' encouragement that it's more than just a pat on the back, it's more than kind of puffing up or or making people feel good. It, It doesn't mean overlooking the rough edges because there is some challenge and direction that comes, but it is bigger than that. Verse 23, I think, is the solution here. It says that Barnabas encourages the disciples to keep faithful in the Lord. Keep faithful in the Lord. Barnabas' encouragement was to say, point to Jesus. He's our motivation. He's our prize. He's the one in whom our victory has been won. He's the the one who has conquered death. Look to him. Have hope in him. Put your trust in him. That's the kind of encouragement that Barnabas is uh, speaking to the uh, people of Antioch. Remain in this. You've started well. Keep going. Keep your eyes on him. Keep steadfast in him. That's the kind of encouragement that it means, uh, the biblical encouragement. That's what gets you the nickname, son of encouragement. But I think this is such an important part of what it means to be part of a church family. I think that we all can uh, think of moments of discouragement or disappointment. It can be hugely costly In church life, it can rob us of joy and and many people will have experienced or or are living in the midst of of this now, maybe past failings or criticism. It could be a number of different things. We want to be those who encourage one another, build one another up, point one another to Jesus like Barnabas did, to have that gift amongst us, to seek to do that to our brothers and sisters. Don't you think that would be a wonderful gift to have, and we do, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm looking around the room now thinking of the number of people who've encouraged me in my uh, walk over many years in this church family. That's what it, what it means to be brothers and sisters, doesn't it? To, be, to belong to one another, to do that. Point one another to Jesus, encourage one another as Barnabas did. So what is the church that Barnabas saw? Well, practically, we've got no idea. There, there could be a number of things that we could look at. We'll bump into Antioch again in a couple of chapters' time, but... I think there's a couple of things that we can uh, look at uh, from these verses. Verse 21, Barnabas saw that the Lord's hand was on them. The Lord's hand was on them. What a wonderful statement for a community of believers. The Lord's hand was upon them. And Luke uses this same phrase in Luke 1, verse 66, talking about the birth of John the Baptist. And uh, it goes something like, you know, what, what will his life be like? Or where, where is he headed? It's about the fact that, that these people, as John the Baptist was, are commissioned. They're, they're purposed for him. They're set apart for him. God's hand is upon his chosen people. And friends, we, we must live in light of that as well. So we, we're, as Life Church, you know, we're, we're doing this series, to, we're called to the ends of the earth. We're a people set apart for him. Set apart for his mission, set apart for his plans and his purposes. I'm laughing because I'm looking at the, the, the three guys at the front of the left here who said, consider Jesus on their T-shirt that are walking around. We're, we're people that are on mission, seeking to see uh, lives changed and transformed for him. Set apart, and God's hand is upon us. Verse 23, another thing that Barnabas saw, this is beautiful, but it says he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God. 
I love the way that this kind of unpacks because what you don't see is Barnabas looking around for, you know, kind of turning up a load of things, having lots of conversations with different people until he finds the grace of God. So he saw the grace of God on display so vividly. So visibly, the grace of God is on display. And I, I love that, that the grace of God is evident in this church family. What does that mean? Well, I think we see some of it in the fact that in verse 19, this this group of persecuted believers who are scattered, who are, uh, you know, having been part of something quite uh, fantastic in Jerusalem and are scattered into this new place. And what do they see? They see new life emerge. They see people coming to faith. They see people turning uh, from death to life. Uh, the, the Bible describes grace uh, in terms of salvation. Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not yourselves, it's a gift from God. And we see in in verse 19 of chapter 11 in Acts, we see people turning to that, turning to that by the grace of God. We see the grace of God so evident on display, many people turning to King Jesus, turning away from their old life. And this is evident too from the new believers who are sharing that faith with others. They're demonstrating that grace with other people around them. Grace is so clearly on display. Grace is probably bigger than that would be demonstrated in the way that they lived their lives. There were clear markers of grace in their life, the way they lived their life, the way they looked out for other people, the way they made decisions, the way they prayed for things, the way they sought after God for things. This is all about what it means to be uh, those who live in the grace of God and see the grace of God at work amongst us. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes into Corinthians in uh, chapter 14, verse 25, says, surely God is at work amongst you. There's this, there's this uh, picture, isn't there, that, that as people come in to the church family, they can see this on display. They can see that things are happening and the only explanation is the grace of God. The only explanation is the grace of God. We see that in our own church family and we see that in the individual lives as people make decisions and, and walk steadfastly with God through difficult situations. This is the grace of God at work, isn't it? You know, think now of, of multiple situations in our church family where we can see so vividly people choosing to follow Jesus in, the, in difficult situations. That's the grace of God empowering them to do that. It's wonderful, isn't it? And many, many other examples, bigger examples too. For us as a church, we uh, have been praying for 52 baptisms a year. We've been doing that quite consistently. Those of us who've been here a little while will remember that. It seemed a ridiculous thing to pray for. It's a good number, but it was certainly something aspirational. There's nothing really we can do about this uh, but if God doesn't show up, that will never happen. And I just wanted to kind of mark the moment because in the last few weeks, we've baptised five people. And then last week, we had an exploring baptism course that was full to bursting. So God is doing something amongst us, and it's right that we underline that. We say, God, we're seeking after you. We're seeking after things that we can't do in our own strength. We're seeking after you, crying out to you for these things like we have done this morning. We can't budge this on our own. But by his grace, he is answering prayer. And I just want to kind of underline that. Keep focus on that. The grace of God at work in individual lives and in the life of the church family. Let's, let's keep on encouraging one another in that. Let's keep on pointing one another to that. Shall we? There's much more we can say on that as a, as a great deal happening. But Barnabas could see the grace of God and it made him glad. It made him glad. He took joy in it. Friends, let's be joyful in what God is doing amongst us as we recognise that. Yeah, there's raw edges, but what, what a wonderful, gracious God and what he's wonderfully doing amongst us.
Verse 26, this is the final thing I, I wanted to draw out that um, Barnabas saw. He saw a distinct people. It says that uh, in Antioch, the believers were first called Christians. And I think this is quite a fascinating verse. It's probably something we've become quite accustomed to now if you call yourself a Christian. Uh, it's probably something you've become quite accustomed to. It's probably a, a term that you've maybe ticked a few times on, on various um, uh, surveys and bits like that. But, but actually in Antioch, the, the believers were first called Christians. And the reason why I think this is significant is because I think it sums up a lot of what Barnabas saw. He saw a distinctiveness to the believers in Antioch. He saw a distinctiveness in the uh, way in which they lived, the way in which they uh, cared for one another, they did community together. But it wasn't just Barnabas who saw that. It was those outside of the church that saw that as well. It was society that saw that. So much did they see this distinctiveness that they had to give it another name. It didn't fit into any other boxes. They didn't kind of say, well, they're like the Jews, but they're, they're this. No, 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 they had to give them another name. They had to title them. In, in, in some theologians consider this, it was probably a derogatory term. Little Christs, those who were following after Jesus Christ, those who put their trust solely in him, those who lived after him with greatest importance, those who uh, were hoping and, and longing after him, Christians. And the challenge for us is that this was a name that was earned for us in Antioch. This was a name that was earned by the believers in Antioch, by the way in which they lived, distinctive lives, lives that, that, that stood up against the culture of their day, and friends, I would suggest that we're called to the same kind of life. We're called to be distinctive. We're called to demonstrate something that is so countercultural uh, in our day. We're called to, to represent something, to be um, brothers and sisters who, uh, in any other way, this wouldn't work, but because of the grace of God, we are what we are. This is what, this is what it means to be a church family. And I, I love being part of this. I love, you know, when I bump into different people in town and I'm working with somebody else and they say, how do you know that person? And I say, well, they're from my church. They go, gosh, what type of person goes to your church? I say, well, every type of person goes to my church. It just doesn't make sense in any other way other than through the grace of God, does it? There's a distinctiveness. There's a way in which we're living after Jesus. There's a way in which we're putting our focus on him. There's a, a diversity of us that only makes sense by putting it under the name that we're Christian. We're following Christ. We're believers of him, hope set in him. Friends, we should be so encouraged by this church in Antioch. We should uh, seek after living in the same way. We uh, see a number of other things that Antioch does that are practical uh, about the way they care and, and support other churches around them. They, they bring leaders in, they send leaders out. It's a wonderful, wonderful church family that we could talk about a lot more. But I just wanted to kind of underline for us some of this encouragement that we see both in the person of Barnabas, but also in the way in which the church looked the way in which the, the church displayed itself. And friends, I, I, I want to uh, encourage us that we, that we represent the same thing. Okay, as a church family, this isn't just a, you know, a chance to come here on a Sunday morning like this, but, but it's a chance to, to demonstrate to one another, to point one another to the grace of God. It's a, it's a chance to remind one another that we, we are bearers of his name, that we uh, have the hand of God on us, that we're commissioned uh, to go further to the ends of the earth, what a wonderful thing to be part of the church family. Friends, maybe I can just finish by praying for us. Father, we do thank you so much for your goodness as we're reminded afresh in these verses that, that your grace 
is uh, sufficient for us, that you uh, have held nothing back. We're reminded that your good news is bigger than first anticipated, that, that the grace of God has been lavished upon us, that, that you have won a victory over sin and death. And first and foremost, we're trophies of that grace. We're trophies of uh, not our own achievement, but on yours. And uh, we thank you, Father, for all that you've done. And we want to pray, Father, that you would help us as a church family uh, to point one another to the grace in our own lives, in one another's life and in the life of the church, the way in which you're moving amongst us, the way in which you're encouraging us by your spirit, that if you didn't show up, we'd be in trouble, but uh, we are acting not in our own strength, but in yours. And Father, we just want to pray that you would help us in the coming days and weeks to be uh, more like that, to, to have uh, Barnabases amongst us who would encourage us in these things, that would point us towards the hope that is found only in you, and that we would be distinctive in Peterborough and the surrounding areas. We'd see many come to know you. By your son's precious name we pray. Amen.